Brothers and sisters, good morning. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Laudato Si, on care for our common home, he drew from ancient and from modern experiences to address the current crises of our time. I'm sure you heard about it. Many people remember the release of that letter in 2015. Many people knew everything about it already. But did you know that in that letter, Pope Francis cited one modern author eight times, more than any other modern thinker who was not a pope. The Holy Father tipped his hand a little and he revealed one of his major influence, uh, influences when he quoted again and again, eight different times, the great modern theologian Romano Guardini. Indeed, the Holy Father was planning to do his doctoral dissertation on Guardini back in the 80s before pastoral concerns interrupted his study. Now, maybe you're hearing me say this Italian name and you just couldn't care less. Great. But if you are interested in understanding Pope Francis or just interested in being formed yourself by just good, solid, salt-of-the-earth theology, you would do well to acquaint yourself with Romano Guardini. On this feast day of the Ascension, I put before you, before your intellect, before your imagination, a hope articulated by this man, Romano Guardini. He said, Perhaps we will experience the ascension as not simply a unique occurrence in the life of Jesus, but rather, above all, as the manner in which he was given to us, as one vanishing into heaven, into the unconditional, which is God. I'm going to read that again. Perhaps we will experience the ascension as not simply a unique occurrence in the life of Jesus, but rather above all, as the manner in which he was given to us, as one vanishing into heaven, into the unconditional, which is God. Today, in order to understand the ascension more fully, I'd like to break this quote down into smaller, more bite-sized pieces, and I want to make some sense of it. To begin, he says, perhaps we will experience the ascension as not simply a unique occurrence in the life of Jesus. That is to say, perhaps this event, the ascension, can be more than just another thing, one more thing that happened to Jesus, right? It's like you were coloring a children's coloring book about Jesus, and this page is, oh, he's born in a manger, and the next page, he's lost in the temple, and then the next page, all of a sudden, he's grown up, and look at him, there he's baptized, and just one after another, all these scenes. But maybe it can be more than just one more scene. If someone were to ask you today, you know, you go out to brunch after Mass or something, what is the ascension? Perhaps 
Many of you could answer quickly, oh, the ascension, that's when Jesus rose up to heaven. And great, bravo, well done, uh, you nailed it. And if this were Jeopardy and it were asked in a reverse order and the clue popped up on the little blue screen and it said, when Jesus rose to heaven and you buzzed in and you said, what is the ascension? Then Aaron Rodgers would say, very good. And you would get $200, great. But outside of that elementary definition and more than that elementary definition, why does it matter? What's important about it? Why is it significant that it happened? Guardini hopes that we'll be able to experience it as more than just a thing that happened. He wants us to see the ascension as a revelation. Let me say that in another way. What we see, when we see or hear or read about the ascension, he wants us to see it revealing something. Something maybe you didn't see before. Something that was veiled until the ascension unveiled it. And now, oh my gosh, look at this. This is brand new. Something is made clear. Something appears in the ascension. He, he hopes that the ascension can be more than event. It can be revelation. He continues his quote, Perhaps we will experience the ascension as not simply a unique occurrence in the life of Jesus, but rather, above all, as the manner in which he is given to us, as one vanishing into heaven, into the unconditional which is God. So what is revealed? What is unveiled in the ascension? What do we see now because of the ascension that maybe we didn't see before in the story of Christ. We see the manner in which he was given to us. First, we see that he was given to us. That's good, and we spend a lot of time talking about that, and it's good. Jesus' gift. Uh, Jesus comes and becomes one of us. Yes, good. And we're, we're impacted by that. We're moved by that. Now... We see not only that he's given to us, but we see the way in which he was given to us. We see the type of gift that he is. He is given to us as one vanishing into heaven. You know, sometimes I think we get maybe a little confused when we think or talk about Jesus because and rightly so, we're so awestruck by the idea that he loves us. As I said, rightly so. It's amazing. You're loved by God. That should knock your socks off. But we pause there, and we forget what his love means, or what it's for. It's not just he loves us and that's the end, right? We hear, oh, oh, you know, Jesus is so great because he loves you just as you are, or he meets you where you're at, or he comes to you. And do you know, all of that is true. All of it's true. But there's also more. There's also more, and there has to be more. Think about it. Think about 
think about like, like Batman or Superman, right? Strong, unique beings who, who love, who save people, who make differences in people's lives. Imagine, if you will, there's a Brinks truck that's driving right down Jackson. Hmm? Or that there's a train right outside St. Lawrence that is just picking up speed and it is careening and all of the sudden Superman flies in and he enters into the passenger seat of the truck or into the cab of the car where the engineer is and uh, and in either situation you can imagine the comic right like the panel shows the, the train just zooming down and then all of a sudden the terrified face of the conductor and Superman flies in and rips off the door and then it shows the face of the engineer again and he says oh Superman thank goodness you're here and Superman the next panel is just his face smiling and he stands there and says, yep. And you get that panel like three times in a row. And then it shows the engineer's face terrified once again. And he says, what are you doing? Do something. Can't you see? And Superman says, it's okay. I'm meeting you where you're at. I love you just as you are. And he gives the engineer a big hug, and then he flies away. This would not be a successfully selling Superman comic. People would not buy into this story because who cares about that guy? Huh? That's not life-changing love. That's not love perceived that, that does something that's just words. That's not a satisfying ending to the story. Huh? The love offered didn't save anyone. It didn't amount to anything. But Christ's love does. Christ's love does save. It does amount to something. It's love that is personal, that, that we are awestruck by, and it makes a difference. It changes things. Christ does not come just to make us feel better. He knows we're in trouble and that sin will certainly damn us. Yes, damn us. That we will, if given the opportunity, head the wrong way down a one-way road. Or we'll get lost in ourselves or lost in the world, or lost in some hobby, or some pet concern that, that distracts us from our destiny. He came to love in an effective way, and that effective way that he loved, we call in the Catholic Church the Paschal Mystery. And we talked about that through Lent and through Easter, the Paschal Mystery. It's a big old church word that's like, like a like a combo word, right? Like if you go to Wendy's, you get a number seven. It's spicy chicken nuggets and fries and a drink, right? The Paschal Mystery is multiple things built into one. It's a combo word. It's the passion and death. It's the resurrection. And it's the ascension. And all of those things together are expressions of Christ's love in your life that save, that do something. The Paschal Mystery saves. Guardini's hope is that the ascension, the last piece of that Paschal mystery, might reveal 
that Christ is given to us as one vanishing into heaven. That is, as one showing us the way home. This last piece of Christ's saving love that we celebrate today is the way that he shows us how to get home. You can imagine the scene a little differently than the comic before, huh? As Christ appears to you when you're hopelessly lost and and in the dark and you respond, oh, Jesus, there you are. And he looks at you and he smirks and he takes off down a trail. But don't despair. He's not running away from you. He's beckoning you. He's leading you home. You know, C.S. Lewis once famously preached that a cleft has opened in the pitiless walls of this world, and we are invited to follow our great captain inside. Indeed, it is the following of him that is the most important point. Look and see where he went. See, he went to the Father, and that is where you should follow him. Christian soul, that is your home. So don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Don't follow some other trail. Don't lose interest. Make heaven your focus and your goal. Let it motivate every other thing in your life because it's the gift that Christ has given through his love. As you see him ascend, don't despair. You've not been abandoned. You were created for a high and lofty destiny. You were created and saved by Christ to follow Christ home. What is the ascension? When Jesus rose to heaven, ding, 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 $200. But more than that, as Guardini says, it is the manner in which he is given to us as one vanishing into heaven. It's when Christ appeared, saved you, and led you back out of the pitiless walls of this world to your home. Today, follow him. Amen.